Welcome to Trading for Keeps. This is Brian. And this is Michael. Today, I've got a good friend of mine from high school. Uh, he's an expert in real estate. I don't know if he's ever worked a day, a real day job in his whole life because uh, he started working in real estate and investing in real estate very early on. So welcome, Josh Anderson. How are you doing today? Good, good. I did work. I was a plumber for years, but Doing That's right. Your family, your family has a, a plumbing and heating business. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that still we're going on? Yep. We're still going. Um, I don't work as much, nearly as much as I used to, but I still help out time to time. So how we usually like to start things off, you know, a lot of times we are geared more towards the stock market. So we always say, what was your first trade? Uh, but for you, you're more geared towards real estate, which is, you know, absolutely a completely legitimate investment vehicle. What, how did you first get involved in real estate? What was your first real estate transaction? Can you tell us? Well, I was a slave boy for my parents, which they were, they were involved in real estate. And of course, at a young age, they needed cheap labor, fixing stuff, painting stuff, um, chipping paint, cleaning up. So I was usually their first call when I wasn't in school. So I was always helping out then. So when did you personally get involved with, uh, with real, when did you actually make a purchase? You do own, right. Cause you own several. Right. I realized the college route wasn't for me. Um, and then my first purchase, I came across a little bit of money. I got in a little motorcycle fender bender and I got uh, like $12,000 because I got it. My bike was totaled everything and it just offered me 12,000 and I didn't want to just blow it or buy a new thing. So I used that and bought a low income rental. I used the $12,000. I had like six or 7,000 saved. And I bought a three-unit um, rental income. So did you buy that? Was that your down payment or is that the whole unit? Uh, yeah, that was a down payment. I mean, I think I bought the whole – it was actually three houses for 35000 in western New York. We're in the Rust Belt. Um, you can buy income property for real cheap. And you don't have to do too much. I mean, usually you deal with frozen pipes, um, repairing stuff like that. You can sometimes fairly cheaply if you purchase the right buys, I'd say. How do you, how do you go about finding these right buys? Is there a, a, a parameters you're looking for? Do you have somebody, a real estate agent helping you? No, I'm, well, now I'm always looking, but, yeah, it's basically, we try to do like a five-year paybacks is always a good that you want to put in your pocket, five years. And that's after taxes, after maintenance, after initial costs. That, <clears throat> you want to have your rental property pay for, pay for itself within five years. It's just so, like... Are you trying to flip these properties? Or are you just trying to collect a uh, recurring income from like, I, tenants? I flipped one, but I don't think I'd flip another. It's best, I think, to buy and then. So a lot of them, I'll get at tax auction. So you got a clean title. So at like my cheapest one I bought was like five thousand dollars, and it's for a whole house. And this is Western New York. I mean, we're. The population's going down, but there's a lot of opportunity. And um, they so you buy them, get them cleaned up. Like a, you might just want clean it up, um, rip out the carpets. But I, a lot of them, I go and get to the banks and get a equity um, loan. So I'll have the bank come in and look at the property and say, "Hey, what's it worth?" And they might. They'll give me a lot of times. They'll say, "Hey, we walked through it. We know you bought it for five thousand, but we feel it's worth twenty thousand at that point. So we might give you a 
we'll have you sign it into their name and then we'll give you a, a pay schedule and a work schedule and you do these things we'll increase the value and give you another pay schedule to uh, move on and until it's rented and then after that they'll do another final walkthrough and then they'll <coughs> have you'll have more equity you could use it for another property if you wanted to so essentially the banks are giving you loans you got to work with the banks so you always got to have good credit you have to have you always have your credit good because the banks will not work with you if you don't have credit so Sorry, are, are you trying to like, compare different bank offers or is there just one specific bank? no i i use a hometown bank i i feel like these hometown banks like they can it's a credit union but uh they work with you i mean they want to do business it's not too big not it's not a major bank that won't work with you. So you're really building the local relationships. You're, yeah. I'll say, with the tax auction. Even do you have relationships with the uh, with the city and counties that are doing those tax auctions at all? No, n nothing like that. But they they just go cheap. I mean, people make money. My best investment, my quickest investment, is I bought a three unit house in uh western new york and i cleaned it out i took probably six uh dump trailer loads to the dump um it was just too far out of my area i don't like to really travel past 30 minutes and i put it uh for sale by owner and i actually sold it for 19.5 within a month so nice People don't really read up on at least tax auctions. They think there's liens on them. There's something major. But a lot of times they're just dilapidated. A basic cleanup does a lot, you know. So are you working with a lot of different contractors? Or are you doing this yourself or do you got a crew? I'm, I'm staying basically by myself. I try not to work with friends or family or um. Most I work with my family as I share their dump trailer, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll buy myself, but I'll hire out help. I'll look for cheap help. Um, and, and just out of curiosity, who's buying these properties? So you say they, somebody came in and bought it for nineteen five, but you said people are leaving the area. So are there people coming in? No, there's, too? there's the valley. The housing is really like dilapidated, but people put in the work they get bought and sold a lot of the times people aren't coming to western new york because there's just no new houses i mean the if you fix them up i have a waiting list for my rental property now i mean i posted an ad yesterday i had a two-bedroom i had 30 bites for the rentals just oh, wow. but i mean this was years ago when i, I don't buy and sell just because uh, capital gains tax, and I feel you you make more money just holding the using it for equity, getting the rental income. Do you have difficulties with the renters? I mean, like you know, with COVID, people might not paying rent. You might have to try to kick them out, or do you have any shady people that might mess up the property? I I've had I've had a ton of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say I had one guy. A really nice Victorian house, all hardwood floors, just sanded them. I rented to this older lady, really nice. She said she was separated from her husband. He moved south. And she started off good, and then she moved her husband in. And he was sort of had some mental issues. But next thing I know, they got screws into the doors. They're not even using deadbolts are just screwing through my, a Victorian wood and um, I finally get in there and he's got a scrap metal business I mean he got refrigerators ripped apart motors uh, air conditioning coils I mean you really in, inside the house inside a Victorian house with four awesome tenants and they're smoking in it everyone's complaining about smoke um, I got stories upon stories. I, the time I go in there, 
there's a loaded shotgun and I got this joker, um, a cheap labor guy. He's not the best worker, but he's waving the gun around. He's like, oh, it's not loaded. So I, first I called the police. I was like, hey, I got a report. I found a, a shotgun. And the guy's like, oh, it's not loaded. The cop opens up. He's like, man, there's a bullet right in the chamber. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm lucky because the guy didn't fire it at me. But um, there's... There's all kinds of crazy stories. One, one time I was looking, the tenant moved out, and you know like your toilet po- um, paper holder that yeah. you have? Yeah. I'm looking for it because I got workers there, so I want to have the toilet paper holder so it's not just all over the floor. And I'm looking for the, the little plastic holder metal, so I stick my hand up, and I grabbed this metal shiny thing is above the Johnny cabinet, you know, the cabinet above the toilet. Yeah. And I'm working it, trying to like, man, this thing doesn't fit. And then <clears throat> I'm like, really like, what is going on? Where is this it? And I turn it, it starts vibrating. I'm no joke. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And I threw it on the ground. I mean, washing my hands i mean i find so much crap i find drug addicts burnt spoons it's uh that's the hardest part is screening the tenants i mean if you don't screen them well um you're gonna have issues so so what do you do with the the bad ones do you try to evict them or do you try to well it's all got to weigh it out right now with coronavirus you can't i mean i have one guy I'd, i'd evict he had here is two broken windows. Um, I was just going to evict him, but with coronavirus, you can't evict him. So he actually was through HUD. He was through a housing options, a drug rehab um, <clears throat> place. So I was going to just, you know, throw him out, you know, go down there every day and make sure he's not doing stuff. But I, with this coronavirus, I went and talked to the drug counselor, um, talked to the police, and really talked to him personally. I think I, I coached him to go to rehab. But a lot of times I just have to, I got a best interest for the property, the other tenants that live with these, like among, because all my places are usually multifamily. And I, that one I coached and I, he could be, in there for another six months without paying rent and it, i mean it's good for me to get them into rehab but you really got to look out for your tenants that coexist like it, if it was in this case i tried to victim have them out within 30 days just because i'm worried about say uh, you had a drug addict falling asleep with a cigarette in his mouth burning the building and then the girl next door her kids perish in a fire or something you got to you got to weigh it all out, but is there, is there any kind of insurance you can get if they damage the property or anything like that with these kind of folks? Um, no, I mean, you could do a major claim, but it, you can't, a lot of times it's hard to go after them. I mean, chasing them down. Um, I've got judgments and a lot of these people, they already have bad credit and it's, well, that's why they're renting and i mean so it's it's definitely tough i mean renters can have their own rental insurance say if the someone burns down their building and their their apartment catch catches fire i mean i could have a major claim but for like the small like broken windows uh paint you know they smoked in the thing and you got to spend two thousand bucks painting you can't really go after so what what type of screening process do you go through to to really weed out the the essentially the bad apples i well all mine are in a smaller town so i mean um a lot of times i go off of um one thing i don't want to is any friends or family because if you want to make things really awkward and if you don't want to be friends with them, 
you rent to them because I've had good friends that I don't talk to. <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, my, say they're like, they stiff you or you, you might come to a di- disagreement. Hey, you didn't kick this guy out. You were giving that kid a break. Um, stuff like that. So that I don't rent to friends or family first. And then a lot of them, I mean, I'll even, you gotta, that's the only thing I don't like about is judging a person. But if they come to the view of the apartment and they're, they're not clean, like you got, they got dirty pants on and um, their fingernails have dirty and they just, that's how they pretty much live. And I hate to say like judge a book by its cover. Um, but yeah, like if you can tell they got scum all their t- over their teeth. I mean, I have a thought. I've worked with people in hard times and stuff, and it usually comes back to bite me. Um, a lot of times now is it's so digital. I even click on their, I'll click on their. I want the real names, and I'll hopefully I'll find them on Facebook. I can see if they they smoke, if they're partying. If they're in the younger crowd where they're having people over, Facebook has helped me out tremendously. You can see if they're friends with it, who they're hanging out with. If they, you rent to a girl and she really has a boyfriend and she didn't even mention she has a boyfriend or a boyfriend's a drug dealer, pedophile, anything. I mean, you get, you, you get a lot of people trying to do sketchy stuff. So, so you mentioned like you have judgments against people. Have people tried to sue you for like stuff, you know? No, I mean, I've, I've judgments. I don't like judge people on like um, the race or anything. It's more about their friends. I mean, no, I think he was, he was asking about, you had judgments against people that had missed rent, I think. Oh yeah. 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 We're, yeah we're backing up a little sorry, more. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Cause I, I was thinking like, you know, maybe these people are like, they're kind of argumentative. They might try to, you know, Hey, you didn't fix this, you know, sink for me, or you didn't do this other thing for me. You know? No, I don't. I have one guy that, um, the guy I found a shotgun in his place, loaded shotgun. I evicted him. I was going through the eviction process and, um, but his wife texted me that saying she was going to go pee out and then her phone like disconnected or got shut off. And I got the text on my phone. I got like proof. I could print it out it's from her. She'd be up. So she wasn't seen for days. So I went into the apartment and I was just cleaning it up. I mean, it was all junk, but um, that's when I found the loaded shotgun and I, got the police involved so the police come back and they're like he the guy said that i never never gave him permission to go into my apartment and that he stole all this stuff and it's usually he says she says um stuff um so i was going after him for five thousand dollars in damages and apartments and he countersued me for said i stole his stuff or just made up all this hoopla and um that's about the only time i think i've ever had gotten someone to a counter judgment or claims of that i'm a pretty good landlord I got background plumbing electric so if there's an issue it's usually not about the house it might be the other tenants like um your the tenants are up all night i can't sleep and I'm trying to work with the other tenants to get them quiet or tell them to find another placement because um, I got to take care of the best for the building, make sure everyone's sleeping on the same sleep schedule and stuff like that. But I have never been sued personally for like damages or like leaky pipes or leaky roof and 15 years, which I've been doing it, knock on wood. That's awesome. Um, yeah, but you do have, I mean, I have one guy said there was mold in the basement, which, I mean, stuff like that, but it wasn't, but it was just, you know, they, they're usually behind on rent when they make these allegations and you're usually taking them to eviction court 
and you got a judgment on on them for back rent and there then all these things come out and like well why didn't you tell me there was you thought there was mold in the basement and like i mean they make allegations usually after you're taking them to court sure gotcha that makes sense that makes sense well i i, I did want to ask a little bit about the screening process you mentioned if they if they kind of show up dirty uh are you able to differentiate between somebody that like is truly living dirty and just came from a blue collar job where they might've gotten dirty? Yeah. I mean, I went to a, most of my um, rental income is probably from working class people. I mean like dirty, dirty, like just like uh, you got Burger King on your, there's ketchup on your face or not like working class dirty where it's like, Hey, I, I'm an auto mechanic and I got, I'm under a car all day. Yeah, I can understand that. But, you know, the ones that you you come and you can smell them like they haven't showered in a couple of days. I mean, yep. not to sound crude, but you're you're watching your own property and I've been burned probably in over 30 times by tenants. Well, that, that makes sense. Do, that makes absolutely sense. I usually sense. do um, three evictions a year. I mean, I'm going pretty good right now. I haven't done eviction in two years, but things are getting better in Western New York. I mean, more money's come back. More people are moving there. It's actually, um, if you're looking into investing, Western New York is re- doing really well. So, so, so I'm curious, all these evictions and all these like you know damages they cause. I'm sure that eats into your profits. I mean, but yet you're still profitable after all that, all those. Yeah. Costs. You got to move quick. I mean, if you, if you think it's happening, you gotta, you gotta move quick. I collect all my rent. Um, some people hire out rental places. I, I think it's best uh, if you can do it yourself, know the tenants, talk to them personally, talk to them monthly, talk to do as much as you can. I got, family members that they own property in the area and they do everything through email and they seem to have their more issues just because they're unpersonable. They're just a person that writes some snarky emails about complaints <laughs> once a month and where's the rent. But um, I think that's why I have somewhat success is I'm a little more personal, even though I do have a evictions time to time. Well, it sounds like you're, and I've noticed this, I think everything in business is relationships. And it sounds like that is a, a key cornerstone for you as well. You even mentioned that you work with the local banker. You know, you're not shopping out a dozen bankers against each other to shave a quarter point off of, right. uh, off of an interest rate. You're also personally, you also have a personal relationship with your tenants too. And I, I think that definitely makes a big difference. So, that's awesome that uh, that you know you can apply these you know the the relationship business to even you know renting to tenants. I think a lot of times people look at you know because I've had experiences. I've never been a landlord, but I've rented before. Where yeah, I'm just like there's this whole disconnect, and then you know when there's a problem, they don't want to fix it, and then you know if you're if you're 30 seconds late on rent, they're harassing you or something like that. So uh, I think it's I think you make a good point. If you're actually involved, you know, they can see you month to month and say, Hey, Josh, how you doing? You know, Hey, I've got this going on. And, you know, at the same time, I think I don't really have many options because if another bank goes and checks my thing, they're like, you're over your head. You got all this <laughs> stuff going on. I mean, I moved pretty quickly in the credit union helped me. Um, with my loans and they're a little, little more personable. I know I went to a, another place and they're like, you got all this and it's all based on rental income, which is not guaranteed. They, they say so. Yeah. So you don't have that nice debt to income ratio that yeah. a banker that doesn't know you might, might be looking right. for. Yep. I understand that. I think even when I bought this last house, I had mentioned, I go, well, I got some 1099 work. I don't even include that. We don't care anything about 1099 work. We only want to see W2. I'm like, you know, my, my employer could fire me tomorrow. But <laughs> Right, that's exactly. 
but it's just interesting that I, I think that's the way a lot of books or a lot of bankers really do work. So that's really interesting. That's great that you do have those relationships. And those relationships still still do exist out there. Uh, so you mentioned that you have a quite a few units. How many units do you currently have? Um, if they're all fixed up and running, it'd be right around 46 units. Um, that's units. I think there's 14 properties. I try to do um, multi-units. Um, but I think I actually have rented like 38 maybe at this time. Um, I mean, I probably could get them going faster, but having kids is definitely slowing me down. Um, it's really, I mean, it was a, when you're young, when I was single, and that's when I really started doing it, when you could be fully, I was working full time, and then after work, I'd be working on the rentals. And it, I remember it, I would visit, I'd go back to her hometown, and I'd visit you, and Josh would always be living, he'd always have just bought a place, and he'd move into it, because I think you got a tax break, right? There was some sort of tax advantage yeah. if you bought it and then moved into it, so you'd move into this place you'd fix it up and then move out afterwards well i think you were at the one i did have a flip house which if you live in it for two years you don't got to pay capital gains tax and that's when i was thinking like oh i was gonna flip it and i think at the end of the day i made like thirty thousand on it and and i sold it but i sold my equity i sold it i could have just got it reappraised and they could have said it's worth this now since you made it all fixed. I wish I would have kept it after, I think if I would have held it for three years, I would have made the same thing and probably had really good tenants that were, when you have a really nice rental, usually have really nice tenants. That's why I think that my, I'm, <clears throat> my rentals have gotten nicer and my tenants have definitely gotten nicer like more paying without a problem. And that's why my evictions are definitely lower rate. I mean, when I started, I was buying houses for 5,000 bucks and putting 5,000 into them. And I was renting them out maybe like 600, but they're usually like a rougher crowd. And it was after you put in the nicer things, you, you seem to have nicer tenants, but yeah. About that, I was live doing that thing where living it for two years and flipping it. But now, I'll I've passed that point. But so, yeah. so out of curiosity, when you're when you're renovating the, maybe the nicer homes, are you like picking nicer materials? Like, oh, I'm gonna pick like nicer lighting or nicer, you know, oh yeah, top and stuff. Or of course, I mean, I've yeah, uh, bottom of the barrel. Um, uh, let's say a let's just say a two bedroom bottom barrel two. Two bedroom would probably rent for four fifty a month, and now you can get up to like six fifty a month. I mean, that extra two hundred bucks a year, uh, well, a month is what uh, two hundred twenty four hundred. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's uh, almost year. a forty percent increase in your rent. It's odd. So I mean that's that's a big increase, especially if you you know multiplying that over, you know, if it's scalable, which it sounds yeah. like it is. Yeah. So, but you can only do so much when you're 20 years old and broke pretty much. So, I mean, <laughs> sure. but yeah, it, good point with Mike. When he said that he, I used to live in it for two years, but it, the things changed too. When I was single, I'd like, I, I moved all the time. I'd get it rentable. And as soon as it got rentable, I didn't want to lose that income. I'd move into, I'd get a bathroom at the, wherever I just bought. And I'd move into like a vacant room and just use the bathroom as everything, worked on it while I lived on it. And then as soon as it got rentable, I moved a lot. Um, I remember that every time, every time I came to town, you were in a different house. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun times. I'm glad it's over. Now I can stay in one house since I got kids. I yeah. so. You said you have four kids? I have four kids and I don't think the wife or the kids would follow me if I was still doing what I want. <laughs> how, how old are your kids? Uh, my oldest is 
five, about to turn six. So it's pure chaos. Um, so four oh my four children under six. That's yeah. crazy, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting the full castration soon. I'm <laughs> After this, my hair's falling out. I'm looking ugly. I'd rather just get the whole thing cut off so no more kids. And it's start. I don't know. Life is a woman. Did you, have, did you have to buy a larger house or did you do you have enough rooms yeah i just put the addition on my house so i didn't plan on four it's i only planned for one of the four kids so a bunch of accidents <laughs> you have gonna have a few more happy mistakes you think yeah. oh man so you've got your house now. Um, you've got forty-six units. Are, and you said you're still you're still looking though. You're still expanding. Are you actively looking, or are you just kind of if um, things stumble, if you happen to stumble across? I something? mean, I would buy one not for a better investment. I mean, Western New York. I mean, it's pretty unheard of to get like a twenty percent return or twenty-five percent return on some of these things. I mean, I've units I paid for itself in two years um but i am looking for like a unit like in maybe like north carolina like uh wilmington but i don't think you're gonna get a better return than being in because then i i'd have to pay a real being a broker to manage your places and stuff like that i think the best but if i'm going to buy rental properties in western new york but at the same time, I don't want to buy more rental property if you want to have that life where you can vacation. I think, or I don't really want to hire out either. So I don't want to hire a person in my town to help manage my properties. I think I'm at a good number if I get them all rented to stay and just have a easier life than get into where you're paying people to manage your property. I think I can stay pretty efficient at this number of rental property no that, that that makes a lot of sense i know um my parents had units and whenever they tried to have somebody help out it just even even my wife's family same thing when they had people try to help out it it never it just never seemed to work out but, um you know and i think but also you know you mentioned the Be uh, wilmington like i'm assuming probably a beach house or something Right now, I mean, with uh, with COVID, nobody's flying to Europe. Nobody's flying to the Caribbean. So these vacation rentals that you can drive through, they're through the roof right now. Right. And the thing in Western New York, your home value is not going to say I buy these places and I get them fixed up. They're, the value of the homes aren't go up much. But if I bought a house in Wake Forest, I mean, not at Wilmington, North Carolina, the value of the homes, people are making money off of just the value. I mean, New York, the prices, I mean, they haven't much changed in the last 10 years. Um, I mean, the actual value of, like, the tax purposes and stuff like that. But I'd look in that in Wilmington area just because I hear that city's taking off. And it'd be, ha it'd be nice to have a vacation home. I'd buy, like, a duplex or something like that. But New York, you can't look for home values didn't get rich but i think the houses are a little bit more expensive in wilmington though yeah. you have to have some a little sure. more starting capital right um so i wanted to ask what would you if somebody wanted to get into real estate right now similar to what you're doing develop income properties what what would be your advice for them would, would you it sounds like rural more rural areas might be the way I to would, go i'd be if you're gonna do it i think you have to be all in and you can't you can't um, plan on a good income. Like the first four years, you're going to struggle and you're going to put money back into it. If you're, I mean, you can buy like houses that are fixed up for like a duplex for like 60 to 70,000, but you're going to have a bigger mortgage. You're going to, uh, <clears throat> if you want to get rich quick and really work at it, you got to buy it cheap and do it yourself and get them fixed up, cash in, you get your cash out, you know. If you're, a lot of mine, I like to buy them at tax auctions, you get them cheap, and you got enough money, you can put brand new plumbing in, brand new electric in, and then it 
you're good. I mean, you're good for a lifetime, I feel. But um, I bought a couple off realtors. I paid top dollar for it. I bought, I think it was, um, I got a five unit and it was right around 90,000. And I feel like I'm just working twice as hard uh, on like galvanized pipes instead of doing just a complete rebuild and plumbing. Um, you're just doing, fixing these little handyman fix jobs and stuff like that. But I'd say if you're a young guy and you want to get in, plan to work and you're going to grind for like a couple of years before you start making money if you want to really get into it. And would you, and would, you recommend, job. <laughs> would you recommend looking towards more, um, multi-family houses oh is yeah that, i'd that... say th three or more units per building for three sure or more okay three or more duplexes i mean say you have your roof that goes bad and you got one good tenant you lost your whole profit for the whole year because of that roof you got furnaces to think about you got a lot of old plumbing and stuff like that three say you have one bad tenant you still got two good tenants that are paying. If you can get a Victorian house, a bigger house, um, more power to you. Yeah, it's interesting you say the multifamily. Like, I think that's also the case in our area, just because housing is is crunched a lot. So, like a lot of young people, you know, they have student debt or they have you know less income. So the multifamily units, you know, you're able to maybe rent them out a little cheaper. And, and to your other point, I thought it was really interesting. But you, you're, it's kind of saying like you, you make your money when you buy. It's like the key is to buy that kind of getting you know the right price there, and then it's that's where you get your margin. So it's it's really important to find maybe select the right property and select the right unit. Right. So basically, in Western New York, if it's say it's a two bedroom, and it's off street parking, and um, separate electric and gas meter, I like to be at like if you're on going on not like a tax auction off a realtor, 20,000 per unit to 25,000 is a real, like a good price. That's a five-year payback and then counts like 10 months instead of 12 months in case you got a bad tenant, taxes, insurance. But that if you're doing it by the unit, I think in Western New York, 25,000 per unit would be a good um, plan to have. Gotcha. And obviously, yeah, that could, that could definitely vary by, by location, but yeah, it's good that you've, you've kind of established some rules there, what you're looking for. Right. I mean, it, it applies. I mean, I look all over West New York, say so buddies up in Northern Buffalo and Niagara Falls and it, it, it's pretty much, yeah. But I mean, I can't say the same for um, Wilmington, North Carolina or Raleigh or. You did mention, that you've gotten a lot from tax auctions. I was just curious, where do you find out about tax auctions? Are those published in the newspaper? Do you have to call the local uh, tax the county, agents? The counties usually put them up, but ta yearly tax auctions. Um, they have to advertise them in the newspaper. So, but so how, they, how competitive are these auctions? Are there like a lot of people that are showing up and bid? Are you getting into a bidding war oh, with yeah. people? There's bidding wars. You can look at them, give them the grill. You can do the, yeah. Night Yelp. Um, <laughs> it's fun. Uh, believe it or not, a lot of Amish guys are bidding on it in Western New York. Interesting. Either land. Um, it's it's funny. It's a whole different breed going to the auctions. I, I'll go there and watch. It's just a fun time. So you don't see any like investors going there. It's kind of just a lot of locals or. No, I mean, I get, um, there's people that go in there and they, they do a chart and they know they, they go to each property and they'll say, go to this price. And there's a lot of smart guys, but there's a lot of neighbors again, fights and they just bid each other up. They go go for like 20,000 and go up to 36,000, like something. So, uh, how are, are these auctions? I'm just curious now. Are the auctions are they all held at like the county uh, courthouse, or are they well, done at each individual property? Um, coronavirus are doing uh, online auction only. So, um, but usually it's it's in the county's like capital. They just hit, 
like a gymnasium they had there's probably 300 people last year and we're grilling people and give them a mean look so, so they do this like once a year or is it like a few once times? a year and then some people bid on it and um they don't pay so they usually have a fall auction in like october so it's we, usually there's one in may one in october but even if you go to auctions international they're with this COVID thing um they're having all these county auctions for new york they're doing it right online and, and you can see the bidding price so, so how many properties are usually at that auction and like do you do research before the auction yeah. yourself or oh yeah i drive in i try to sneak on the property i mean don't get caught or you can't bid on it <laughs> but uh yeah you you do as much research you talk to the neighbors as good thing i'll go to and i'll ask the neighbors hey do you know why they're moving out and they're like oh the sewer line's broken or something like that if it's like and if the people are just moving out it's always a good buy because then you don't got to think about um frozen pipes or anything like that or like a roof is majorly damaged or rotting but yeah i definitely try to push the limit on what you can see or what you know before the auction so i guess you don't you don't get like a whole zillow listing with a you know three dozen pictures of the insides or anything no no they used to let you walk through them but the fall auction they since it's such a smaller crowd or they don't advertise much um they might do that they might let you walk through it and bid right on site okay it de depends on what county i mean if you're in Niagara Falls, they got so much houses on the demo list. You can buy a house for like five bucks. They just don't, they don't want to pay, the city doesn't want to pay 30000 to get a demo. But it might be a single family. It might be a house in really distress. And, but usually you can get it turned for more what it's worth. That makes sense. That might be a better opportunity for some of the, the flipping yeah well flipping or rent i always say don't sell it a lot of people don't rent uh it's always going to go up in value little little better hopefully new york makes changes ways and our va home values go up a lot more but well makes sense well that's i i'll say i think we've covered quite a bit here i mean you know, I didn't know about half of more than half of the stuff that you had going on with your business. So it's really interesting to just hear about it. Um, it sounds like you've got a good process worked out, you know, from how you get your loans to how you screen your tenants. Um, and I think, I think you kind of brought everything home where you just made it. So it's, it's, it's more accessible to people. You don't have to have these, you know, I know I, when I rented one of the houses, like this guy charged me, you might do it, but $85 as an application fee. And I had to fill out this whole online form and he ran my criminal background and my credit check and everything else. And then came back and said, okay, yes, I will rent to you. But you're kind of, it sounds like making more of an on the, on the spot judgment call. Right. No, I always, when I do my rental screening, I always do this just because I hate to be the jerk. I, a lot of times I tell him it's already rented. I go, hate to do this but we usually pick the best tenant if it doesn't work out with the other girl we said we we're gonna give it to a lot of times i'll just say i already rented it and but still let her see it or i say hey i can't make the call i'll have somebody else i'm gonna collect the paperwork and give it to barb and she does and they're like aren't you the property owner and i always give them a story like yeah i just do the maintenance so i I let uh, another lady, because um, I hate to be the villain. And I yeah. hire, I have a girl I do hire, just uh, say you, you think you got a bad tenant, and or you just don't want to deal with the person. I mean, you whatever. I have a lady that I hire, and she collects maybe like six uh, tenants that I just aren't, we're bumping heads. And I'll play the nice guy, and she's the, lady that's a grim raper knocking on your door you better pay out we got mortgages to pay here and i always tell them like even though i own it um outright and i'm like yeah she's my business partner and i just i hate to say it give a smoke story but it people listen 
No, you need a Susie the Shark. I understand that completely. <laughs> I got too good of a smile. <laughs> <laughs> I can vouch for that. Absolutely. Well, I think uh, I think we've covered a lot of you know a lot of your business stuff, a lot of how how you go about real estate, and I think that you. I think you do a great job with it. So I'm very impressed. Keep up the good work. Is there anything that you want to leave us with? I have another segment, so don't go anywhere. But, uh, is there anything don't, you want to leave us don't with? Don't come to the county's auctions because I'll bid you up and put you <laughs> in business. <laughs> All right. Very good. All right. So our last segment, if you've listened to the podcast, you know, already know it's coming. But Brian, is gonna, he's going to hit us with a question that he's thought of. And I haven't heard it. You haven't heard it. So we just have to answer on the spot. So our question of the day segment, uh, I always ask a good story, a question. So this time, can you tell me a funny story from high school or maybe an inspirational story from high school? All right, I'll, I'll tell you one. It involves Mike, but it's not about Mike. This guy had some real cojones, all right? <laughs> he was a heavyweight wrestler, and he picked Mike. He was wrestling 125. And he goes, Mike, I'll give you a snicker ball, some snicker bars if you can make me pass out. And uh, Mike, yeah, I'll do it. I'll. So they started. Mike had them in uh, a rear naked choke. And they said, go. And it's 30 seconds. And Mike is squeezing them super tight. Brian stood up and he bent over. And Mike quickly fell, and he quickly jumped on Mike. And next thing you know, Mike was the one that passed out. And I think the coach had to revive him with some smelling salts. <laughs> but the story is, that's a good story for Brian Airy, wherever he is. I haven't seen him in 15 years, but he's motivation every day. Someone got you by the throat, just throw him on the ground and lay on him. <laughs> i'm glad we both have the same the same memory of brian brian nary <laughs> god bless that man uh, brian eller what what is what's your story you've got one lined up i know it I, I i don't have a story i have a lot of stories but they take a while but I, i'll just give you some background i went to an all guy catholic high schools so there's a lot of shenanigans happening there but um i'll just say the one funny chance so being an all guy school we, we would chant things during football games and stuff and i'm a lot of schools do this so i'll just give you our chant for the day you can decide whether or not to keep this in the podcast or not michael but it's if we're ever losing a football game we would chant don't drop the soap because we're coming from behind <laughs> i don't know go to a catholic school go to went to a catholic high school they didn't like it when we chanted that, though. <laughs> I can imagine not. <laughs> All right, we're we're definitely leaving that one in. Definitely okay. leaving okay. that one in. All Michael, right. you got you got a story about Josh? Yeah, I have maybe? a story. Um, you know, I'm trying. I remember actually one of the one of the best stories where I I feel like I progressed as a wrestler was not actually with Josh, but with his uncle. When, when Claire, Claire Anderson, who was actually the uh, head coach of Duke University for a long time, he came up, he, he wrestled at our high school uh, way back in the day, in his high school days. And I think he, he set some New York State records uh, that probably still stand to this day. And I remember like he just came in and wanted to work, he, you know, and he wanted to work with us on some, some big something. I can't even remember what it was, but he showed us a couple of moves and then I just, I do remember like just working with him for hours after the fact and after like practice was over, I feel like me and Claire just continued to work on this one move, like another three hours afterwards. And like we left and there was just like almost a whole puddle of sweat in the middle of the, in the middle of Matt. And I felt like I definitely had like, I was never a phenomenal wrestler. Josh was actually a much, much better wrestler than I was. Um, but I felt like working on that and just getting somebody to believe in me and work hard with me on something really helped progress my, uh, progress my skills to a point where I could, you know, feel confident in them, even though I was never quite, I was never quite an Anderson in the, uh, in the wrestling world. But, um, but I, I, I will, you know, I, I remember working with certain people that really believed in you. And I think that made a big difference when they actually stuck with you and worked with you for a long time. So that was, uh, that's one of the really good memories I have from wrestling. Oh my gosh, that's a, a really great story compared to ours. <laughs> yeah, weird. 
like it really took it to another level there, Mike. <laughs> I try to I try to have some some sort of inspiration and motivation here at the end of everything. So especially with, you know, it started with me getting passed out and losing a Snickers bar up bet, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, good deal. Well, Josh, do you want to leave us with anything? Is uh, Can people reach out to you if they want? Do you want to give us an, an email or social media or anything? If not, that's cool, too. Um, yeah, put me in uh, – put my email, Anderson at yahoo.com. Yahoo. All, right. All right, we'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, one of the websites, I think you mentioned Auctions International. Yeah. Is doing- that – they do a lot of New York auctions and they're to Massachusetts. Like the, they're sort of a New York thing, but I, with all this coronavirus, um, we'll see what happens. I mean, they might have different auction links, but. Okay. So they might be a little more regional, but we'll post a link to it anyways. So yeah. we'll have Josh's email and uh, a link to auctions international I said it might be more regional, may not apply to your neck of the woods, but at least maybe you'll have an idea of what you're looking for at that point. So great. Well, Josh, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I think this has been very informative. Um, I think for anyone that doesn't know a lot about real estate or is just curious about how it works, I think you shed a lot of light on on you know the ins and outs of how be what a land, what it is like to be a landlord. One one thing I didn't really mention that you might have even more success with rental issue is um, New York's taxes. Our taxes are a lot higher. If you bought maybe in South, you got to use a different equation um, to, for our taxes. So you might have a better return, but a higher cost. But um, New York's taxes are really high, but the prices are lower. So that's one thing I didn't touch on. And you might want to consider that if you're buying rental. Sounds good. Perfect. Yeah. Consider yeah. taxes. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we really appreciate it, uh, Josh. So uh, this has been Trading for Keeps. I'm Brian. And this is Michael. Please rate us and review us. And we'll be back next week with a new episode.